Good afternoon, good morning, Screen Rats. Welcome to another episode of Television Times Podcast. Now, I'm not going to be doing much of these intro spiels for a couple of weeks, only because I'm in the process of moving house. You might hear a slight difference in reverb in this room that I'm speaking in, mostly because it is kind of empty, apart from boxes and packing tape and stuff like that. The reason for this is we got a message from our landlady. Yes, we have a rented property, don't own a house, never have. What a shame. Um, but uh, we got a message from her that we had to move out in early January and immediately started looking for somewhere else to go. And then we found somewhere and now we're trying to make that work. But there's all kinds of, I, I won't bore you with admin and rigmarole and portals online and government websites and okay now it's an absolute headache to move um i'm kind of enjoying the process of just sort of pottering about and pulling something out of the wall filling the hole putting the screw back in the little box covering stuff in bubble wrap um and when i run out i just buy more or get some packing tape and i'm quite enjoying the sort of putting everything in boxes part of it not sure how much of the move i will uh, enjoy Although, if all goes well, by the time this podcast uh, comes out, we should actually know whether we've got that house or not. And hopefully I will be shunting stuff in a little garden cart because it's only about half a mile away. And then we're going to actually pay for removals uh, because, as my wife constantly tells me, I make my own life hard by uh, just not giving in to paying for things that I just should. And for once in my life, I, I mean, we have too much stuff now. We have children, so I need help carrying all this stuff. I would lug it myself. And, you know, in previous years, I would have made a, a big thing of that. I wouldn't have like been going oh look at me but i would have just like you know i ain't paying for that fucking thousand pound removal or whatever it costs hundreds of pounds i'm sure anyway so that's why it's a bit echoing here that's why i'm all flustered and i haven't got much to say i'm feeling pretty good about things uh it's weird to tear down the first studio but it's good because we're you know moving into the new year and a whole separate kind of recording process is coming up and there's uh, other things irons in the fire you might say for 2024 that i'll talk about later loads of great recordings under the belt um more coming up even some this week that i'm very excited about and next week um which are on location so basically once I move I kind of don't need to do any recordings for two months or something I have uh, so many in the bag already and you're going to hear all of those um, in early January uh, going forward right so let's get to this week's guest this week's guest is the fantastic Matt Hutchinson Matthew Hutchinson as he's known online as well he's a doctor and a comedian an actual doctor and a comedian for those regular listeners of the podcast you may remember that I bumped into Matt in the Edinburgh special Uh, he was just wandering around in Edinburgh and I bumped into him and it turned out he was a comedian we got talking he was a great um little interview there but we always wanted to do a bigger one and I wanted to bring him on for a full episode whilst in Edinburgh actually and it got delayed and delayed and delayed and uh, we ended up catching up last weekend I believe Um, so this is a quick turnaround this one quick record and out before Christmas what do you think of that so uh, yeah this is the brilliant Matt Hutchinson check him out online he's got loads of great stuff he had a fantastic run in Edinburgh but like I said he's actually a doctor so I guess I started talking about medical things first of all here we go it's Matt it's Matt it's Matt it's Matt 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 Hutchinson roll up roll up welcome to Television Times a new podcast with your host me Steve Otis Gunn we'll be discussing television in all its glorious from my childhood, your childhood, the last 10 years, even what's on right now. So join me as I talk to people you do know and people you don't about what scared them, what inspired them and what made them laugh and cry here on Television Times. Are you actually still a practising doctor then? Yeah, yeah, sorry. So, so it's complicated in mm. that I do, I'm doing a PhD at the moment. Yeah. 
Um, so I do one clinical shift a week. So you juggle both? Yes, with comedy and writing. Like it is, I mean, I keep writing, I've got this little chart. A couple of lawyers, lots of teachers, lots of teachers, yeah. quite a few doctors and nurses. There are loads of doctors now. It's not in any way a USP, unfortunately. That's why <laughs> I have to branch out far more. Like there's, you know, there's, there's, there's me, Benji, Michael Akadiri, Kwame Asante, uh, well, there, there are others. Uh, Ed Patrick. <laughs> oh, there's even other ones. You could form your own Edinburgh surgery while you're up there and sort of do stuff on the. Well, I think yeah, you could literally start a private clinic <laughs> yeah. catering to the very specific needs and problems of comedians and you know, break it in. Actually, make money for the festival. Yeah, I think you could. How was your uh, festival in the end? I mean, I, I should say that I met you by chance in the street. Yeah, we met on. The, I was uh, doing some childcare. Childcare. Very very <laughs> young boys. <laughs> Yes, exactly. And Edinburgh was great. Um, I mean, it was quite stressful. But like, I think as everyone experiences, mm. uh, you spend half the time sort of hoping the show's going okay, dealing with tech stuff. And then once that's done, hoping people will come and see it, hoping yeah. reviewers will come, complaining when they do come and don't, you know, yeah. uh, looking at what your friends are doing. Do you take any pictures of yourself with a small audience? Uh, <laughs> no, to be fair, like, I didn't have, I only had one very, like, the only time I had one really small audience like really small mm. audience was there was some apparently like because my show's in the middle of the day yeah there was a day where like there was a crash like the ticketing thing crashed or something oh. like I don't even that could have been what the producers told me just to sort of massage my <laughs> ego uh, but um, as far as I'm aware there was some weird problem where basically there was sometimes where lots of people had loads of stuff in their baskets and no one else could buy them or something I mean like, that sounds like a lie now that I'm repeating it back <laughs> that you did in Edinburgh are you, is it finished now are you taking it on tour are you doing more with it no, or, I mean, I might, if, you know, if I were to be given the opportunity to do one or two uh, you know shows sort of to, to you know, perform it properly in London and maybe film it then I probably would um, I haven't got the time to tour or the inclination to be honest because uh, I mean <laughs> yeah. well, like you know when you spend six months prior to doing Edinburgh uh, you know, previewing, doing this. Like, so, you know, you're basically living the lifestyle of someone who's already on tour anyway. Mm. So when you've got a family, I think yeah. my wife would not be best pleased with me then going, oh, I'm going to go and spend the next six months forward. Uh, it's really hard. Away from yeah. home. So you're juggling. So no. It's yeah, yeah. It's hard with the family. It changes everything, doesn't it? Because mm. um, our oldest is nine, nearly 10. Mm -hmm. It was very hard. Like it was okay with one. You used to sort of, yeah. sort of still just like, go to Europe and hang out in Hungary for a month for yeah. fun or, you know, and I'd do a job in Azerbaijan or something weird like that or terrible mm -hmm. places, of course. And um, <laughs> and then we had twins and then that was like, well, I can't. Oh, wow. I'm, is... I'm not going anywhere now. That's it. No, exactly now. This is me. That's me done for two decades. I'll just stay here. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't that exactly is... like, if I go in the lounge Thanks. now and tell my missus like, you know, okay, I've got to go. I've got to go here, here, here and here. She'd be like, well, no, you can't. You, you no, can, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I should stop complaining. Yeah. You've got three, and particularly twins, because how old are the twins now? Uh, they were six uh, this week. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's okay. Twins is not, it's not as shocking as, oh, well, I'm sure lots of people have very bad experiences, but for us, it was just like, well, you're doing it anyway, so you're just doing a little bit more. No, but people just say they just wake each other up, though, don't they? Isn't that one of the main problems? Well, I've got one night, Alan. One of them, the girl, she sleeps. She'll go to sleep anytime. She'll say at four o'clock in the afternoon, oh, I want to go to bed now and go to sleep. And the boy, he'll stay up till, I don't know, 11, 12. He's always banging around. He's a night owl like me. 
Wow. <laughs> and he's up early too. They just get up, like, you know, when the sun comes up. Okay, so she doesn't need sleep, so she's just, like, ready to cause havoc straight away. How's your daughter? Is she a good sleeper? But mostly when she's well, she gets quite a lot of cold, so then as soon as she does, then she doesn't mm. at all, or, you know, resists it quite a lot. So, you know, like that, up and down. Yeah. But, you know, she's good. She's good overall. Compared to some other people who are literally like, you know, a couple of, you know, two, three years in and still not getting a sort of complete night's sleep. Yeah. We're not anywhere near that. No. Well, we, I think we did that with our first. I was, I remember sort of just walking around with him and just trying to get him to go to sleep and just rocking him and doing whatever I could, just walking around. I'd, we'd just go to America where my in laws are and I'd just be walking around in Arizona just with a kid on me, just nine, 10, 11 at night. Please go to sleep. Twins? Presumably it's much hotter in Arizona. Presumably oh, it's very hot. Baking a child. Yeah, so you're just like roasting the child. <laughs> well, we did that. I used to take him out. I'd take him to the swings and they go, hey, you can walk to the swings. It's too hot. I could be fine because I, I like walking and they all drive mm-hmm. everywhere like, you know, Wally. Mm-hmm. So I would go to this swing set and then I'd have to phone them to come and get me because the sun would just come out and it would be so brutal that we couldn't get back. It was like the last of us trying to yeah. get out. It's just murder. The sun would just be like, well, that's, cl- I can't take him in that. It will He's white. It'll, yeah, it'll, it'll cook him and they were like, see, I told you so. He's got the Irish skin, so it's, he's, he's pale. He's going to burn like, you know, yeah. so yeah, I'd have to call them out as a sort of emergency kind of, what's it called in um, something? Point. Extraction Extraction point. point, that's it. Extraction yeah. point, that's what I was trying to think I of. I feel that's what you burned. The amount of sort of military jargon you end up with, sort of, or sort of TV military jargon buried yeah. in your mind, despite having never even seen a gun. <laughs> I know. Have you ever been involved in any of those sort of... Um, you know, a, a military uh, doctor kind of situation flown anywhere to sort of uh, help with any of that? Sure thing? answer. No. Good. No, I mean, like, I'm quite, I mean, even, so it's complicated. So I do work in A&E sometimes, but mm. even when I work in A&E, I don't work in sort of injuries. It's more right. medical problems in A&E. So the short answer, no, 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 uh, no, no gunshot wounds, no yeah. ER moments. Yeah, not like in films. No, not like in films, not like in, you know, there's no, yeah, no major accidents, no uh, cranes falling on people, no one being shot. Yeah, no casualties. So, like, this is something that just occurs to me. I'm one of those people that doesn't like the sight of blood. If someone has, like, the mm-hmm. worst thing you could say to me is come in and take my blood. I'd be like, mm-hmm. And how do you, like, to be a doctor, do you just not have that? Or do you have it and you have to get over some of that stuff? Or do you have any qualms about any of those sort of things, like knives going through skin, all that stuff, needles? I guess maybe it selects away from people. And then also I think maybe as you go through training, I think, for example, when I was doing... Because you get introduced to it in stages, because even in your first couple of years before you start seeing patients, you Mm. do dissection. Yeah. Uh, So when we did our first dissection, there was an episode where a guy, as soon as they brought out the first body, fainted. Yeah, and uh, he fainted onto the body <laughs> and knocked it. Yeah, really. So then uh, this corpse on a trolley just rolled through the. Uh, well, it's not a lecture theatre; it's the dissection room. <laughs> just going across. Uh, so perhaps he at least maybe went into a non-surgical specialty. Yeah, you never had any of those things to get over. No, I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm the most into. You know, I'm sure I can be squeamish about some things. I don't like teeth stuff, so I can never be a dentist. I think. But, you know, I know that's why I didn't see dentistry. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, no, I wouldn't say. Also, I think it's quite removed when you've actually got a task to do. Like, I think when it's your job and you've got someone, someone in front of you that you need to do something to or mm. for, uh, you don't have the quite same mindset of being so squeamish. Yeah, I guess there's no choice. Yeah, I mean, certainly some things are gross, mm. uh, but they're yeah. not to the point of not being able to 
continue working. We had this um, thing when we were on tour with one of Darren's shows and there was this guy and he, he put this um, thing out to everybody like, if you're scared of needles, don't put your hand up sort of thing, you know. But this person mm-hmm. heard it the other way around and they ended up on the stage and they were terrified <laughs> of needles and the whole thing was he was going to shove right. a needle through the top of their hand, you know, without drawing blood. Um, and the guy started freaking out. So we had to stop the show and then Darren somehow, don't ask me how, removed that fear through hypnosis and the guy did it and it was even more amazing because then you had this guy who was literally five minutes ago terrified of needles shoving one through the back of his hand and just it it was was wild it's a good night that one and it doesn't bleed doesn't bleed no i I mean i don't know it's not a trick i know that it is real the needle is in i think it's just magic (laughs) that's the secret to darren Darren brown is that he's actually a wizard and he's like man pretending to be a mentalist when actually he's just magic (laughs) it could be for anyone listening that needle went through that guy's hand there was no trickery there's not a fake hand there's no fake needle none of that so yeah that that was interesting i thought because fears are kind of you know, I was watching, we were watching, there's this new show, it's called like, oh, we're talking about television, we should, um, The 07 <laughs> Road to a Million. You've seen any of that? Uh, oh, is that, yeah, with uh, Brian Cox. Yeah, really? Brian Cox pretending to be sort of in charge of all these people. And um, mm-hmm. there's this uh, young couple, who like the, they're like, you're really rooting for them the whole time to win because they're really funny and they're swearing all the time. Um, but they just get the raw end. Like every single task they get is like climb a crane to get a box, go really? up a mountain. And one of them was this spider, this gigantic, and I've got to say, big tarantula mm-hmm. in, in, in a box, sorry. And um, the female participant of the couple, that sounds wrong too, <laughs> she was mm-hmm. really scared of spiders. And this thing was kicking right mm. off, you know, really kicking off. And you yeah. can see the fear in her. And she got really close to it as well. And I was thinking, I could not do that. And I'm not. No, exactly. It's not a problem. Big beast, run jigging about at high speed. I mean, the thing was meaty, you know. And I was just like wondering, like, uh, what you think about like fears and dealing with fears and stuff like that. I, I suppose I don't, probably wouldn't like a giant spider because I think there was in, I don't know if you saw in Edinburgh, there was a show where comedians were performing with different animals each no, night not. and one of them could have been a tarantula. Mm. So you basically, it's a strange premise where you have to stand on stage and hold an animal right. while still doing your set. It could be a snake, right. it could be a rabbit or a, it was a... Uh, real animal. Yeah, real oh, right. animal. And some of the, I think one of the potential animals was a tarantula. And like, I'm not afraid of like household spiders in particular, you know, like if they're there, I will pick them up and yeah, pick yeah. them up. But the idea of something crawling, something that could crawl onto cool. your back or like, yeah. so that wouldn't, yeah. So I would, I'd put that in there yeah. as my layer of fears. And I also think that, I think when you're young, uh, I think it's probably good to try and get over as many of your fears as mm. possible. I think by the time you're in middle age, it's like, my fears have not caused me any problems up until now. I'm fine with them. My desire to challenge them has dwindled quite drastically. Mm. I'm happy living with what fears I have left. Yeah, I think there's. I think you're right. There's a point where you can get over them. Like uh, I have a huge fear of flying. Yet I fly a lot, and I have. I've reduced it somewhat, yeah. but not for any carbon footprint reasons. I can't pretend. Uh, just through sheer fear mm-hmm. of flying, and I, it's the small planes mm-hmm. that get me. It's the small planes, and I hate it, and it's awful, and I hate the airport and all the stress around it, and to. to to go through that, I better be going somewhere far away that's worth it, you know? Yeah. Not just to France. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Get the train. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, airports are bad anyway and stressful, even when you take out, even if you're not afraid of flying. Like, I hate going to the airport just because it's basically just being treated like an arsehole. Yeah, for, it really is. 
for, for a few hours it's just like do this go here take this off now you're doing this too slowly like just particularly the thing where it's like the trays and there's a queue backing up behind you but you've got like your laptop and you've packed stuff strangely yeah. I, I, just, I, reckon, I reckon you're good at you're good at that you you've got your laptop out and you're ready you're not standing there going I mean, I have, but that's more just because of the anxiety because I don't want to be causing a queue yeah. behind Because I think it's that kind of particular Londoner thing as well yes. as, like, you know, there are very few people hated more in the world than the people who, for example, don't have their Oyster card or phone or whatever yeah, yeah, ready yeah. at the gate. Or an old woman with and coins. so when you're doing that, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly, in an airport, yeah. I mean, then that's multiple. I mean, it's, I mean, you could decide murder for that. There's nothing worse than someone standing there going, oh, I have to take my wallet out. And, or they've got a bottle of water yeah. all the way to the tray. And then that person behind is immediately gets annoyed with them. So now he's in a bad mood. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I hate it. Have you traveled with baby food yet? Yes. So that was, that was I had a joke about it oh, actually, right. actually, but it's basically like, so you know, they have to test it as if it's like either drugs <laughs> yeah, or yeah, explosives. Because yeah. uh, it's like, also because, you know, there's nothing that looks much more like heroin. Mm. Uh, if the films are to be believed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's literally like sort of you know like a, a, you know, carrying a tub of beige powder yeah. through customs, and it can either be what's either explosives or heroin or baby formula. Yeah, one of the three. We had a flight from Newcastle, where I lived, up to LA uh, about three or four years ago, and we took enough, you know, little baby the, the pots of baby food, um, and they're quite expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not cheap, right? And we have an, enough to get all yeah, the way yeah. across for twins. And at Newcastle Airport, this woman was like, "No, you can't take it on. It's big. It's too big." And I was like come on dude i've checked she goes oh it's 10 grams over because each one she goes yeah we're gonna have to throw it away and i mean it's the i I literally oh yes i did say that line i said to her it's not a fucking bomb and she went easy now don't say words like that and i thought oh this is getting this is getting tense (laughs) (laughs) it's clearly not a bomb the the list of things (laughs) so how are you supposed to so how does that resolve itself she said throw it away and you can what food did they eat uh they said we could rebuy smaller ones airside and they were twice the price i had to buy them i literally threw them all away walked through went into boots and had to buy 20 quids worth of food and i've probably never been more livid in my life (laughs) i can imagine (laughs) yeah i still think they're fucking with us with all that stuff seriously people used to get on planes with cigarettes and you know, all that stuff. Yeah, well, this yeah. is true. But I guess uh, we've got either, I guess, a combination of Richard Reed and yes, that other, bomber. where was doing the, the liquid plot. Yeah. Because there was that supposed liquid plot. I can't remember when it was, was it? But that was what, but when, I can remember when the liquid restriction yes. came out and everyone thought they were joking. It's like one guy, isn't it? It's like one person's idiot plan has yeah. like ruined everyone's flying. And where they get the yeah. number from? Why is the, the amount matter? Couldn't you just take two? If you needed like 250 uh, mil of liquid explosive, you just take two of them. Yeah, I mean, that is a good point. Mm. But I guess it's, you know, maybe it's just like the more pots you have to fill. So by the time you're fill, you know, filling the sixth one, you're like, maybe I shouldn't do this. Because <laughs> <laughs> I always find that really irritating when like, if I get a headache, which is not often, but if I do, I take one big paracetamol, two ibuprofen, and I have it with a black coffee, and it seems to sort it out. And every time I look in there, my wife's taken all the ibuprofen, so I have to go and buy some, and I can only buy one packet. And I always think that is mm. mad. So I have, I know that I've done this. I've gone into Tesco's on the high street, bought one packet of each, gone to Sainsbury's, bought one packet mm. of each. And it seems like a mad restriction. You go to America, you buy it in a huge tub of like 
There is some evidence for that, though. Like, as in, I mean, there's not nothing funny about mm, this, but it's right. in. I mean, again, it's, it's one of those things where it's a pop psychology fact. So you know where you sort of have to temper everything you say with, did I read this in a sort of dubiously researched Malcolm Gladwell yeah. book rather than a proper, uh, you know, academic tone? Yeah. But I think generally speaking, there's a decent amount of evidence that as soon as you remove the immediate availability of a means, so even like a small hurdle. Mm in acquiring a means of uh, self-harm, right. then it can reduce the activity. Um, going back to the tablets, which are slightly funnier, is I noticed that yeah. they are now a, uh, basically shrinkflation has hit tablets now because I got a packet the other day and they're supposed to have like five on either side. They had four on either side and I was like... Yeah. Oh, wow. Cheeky. That's very cheeky, very cheeky. Because I thought they were supposed to have 16 in every pack. Oh, this, this one didn't. It had. It was reduced. I think it was 12 or something. This is Tesco's. I don't trust Tesco's. Um, but your, your thing there that you just said reminds me of what I do with the bike. Like you put one extra obstacle because I guess that is what it is. Because when I park my bike, I put a dead, like a lock that doesn't do anything on the front wheel, like a pound shot yeah. lock. Just yeah. so a thief will go yes. two locks now. I'll go for the one with one lock. Nah. Oh, you put an extra lock, so you lock it out lock properly, it out so you don't just rely yeah, on yeah, that. No, no, no. yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a decoy. It's, it's not doing anything, but it, it's just it, it's two locks there and usually a bright colour. Yeah. And then my my theory is, because my dad used to steal bikes because he was a terrible man, um, that he would not lick and lick <laughs> the bike with two locks. <laughs> That's where I come from. Yeah, it's double the work. Yeah, be- beautiful, beautiful bloodline. Yes, so two television... <laughs> So I've which is unconscious that we put in here. She got about It is what it is. It is what it is. You're a doctor. You can't, you know, yeah. I can't not come up. You have got to talk about your life a little bit first. Of course. Um, yeah. yeah, I I have to go to a children's party, even though we threw a children's party yesterday. So uh, yeah, that is the weekend. Oh, it's a lot. It's a lot of parties. Uh, soft play is not my cup of tea. So loud and echoey. Well, oh, earplugs. I must take earplugs yeah. with me. <laughs> I gotta do that. Yes. <laughs> so when we met in the street in uh, Edinburgh, yes, uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. this show called Nightmare with a K, um, which I yeah. now know all about. Um, it was out in nineteen eighty-seven till nineteen ninety-four, and they bought it back for some kind of YouTube yeah. special thing a few years ago as well. And I've been looking at, mm-hmm. at that, um, and I mean, it's it's quite. It sort of reminds me a little bit of Games Master, but much, much darker. I know we've talked about this on the Edinburgh one, but um, I just wanted to bring it up again because it really is very dark and very scary. Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah, the imagery on there, like particularly the the helmet being on them, you know, sort of walking around in the dark, Mm. and they're like, right, left, no, do this, do this, and then it's like, no, you've died, and then you're just dead. (laughs) Like it was very sort of like real world kind of level jeopardy for these kids because there wasn't any age restrictions on things when you were a kid you could just watch I mean that would have been no, for little kids you would have just watched it anyway that's what I mean well, it was just on in the afternoon so it was on I think at like do you know like obviously after school TV programs from about sort of say half three or hmm. three till six yeah. it's pretty sure it was on CITV so just as one of the standard shows yeah, yeah I definitely remember it being on being scared yeah. of it yeah it's a really scary imagery but um so t- have you thought of any other tv shows from that period that maybe gave you the willies as it were or was it just nightmare? Because, yeah um, i think i can remember do you remember the um little plastic toys mighty max so it's like the boy version of polly pocket right, i'm gonna look it up yeah go on uh so there was a tv show that was a spin-off of that right um and i can remember one particular episode of that being about werewolves oh. I can remember that giving me nightmares when I watched that as a kid because uh, it was very graphic, yeah. very, uh, you know, intense. Uh, and again, just like, it's a weird kind of, yeah, I think there's far less thought into what scared kids and what you could put on at, you know, half three, mm. four o'clock in the afternoon. 
Um, I wonder when the rules so yeah, came in. I mean, how old are you, Matt? Do you mind me asking? I am thirty-six. Thirty-six. So you're, so yeah. So you're looking. You're watching telly in late eighties, early nineties, basically as a kid. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So I was Pete Nightmare, definitely. Yeah, Pete, yeah, but so Pete that, being too young for Nightmare as well. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. There was, there should have been a like a, you know, this is a fifteen mm. or or a twelve or whatever, yeah. whatever it was, and they didn't really do that. And I think there was, a, I think the BBFC thing was still in place then, because I can remember like it being a sort of badge of honour hmm. if. You were a kid, and you could go. I watched at fifteen. You're yeah, only yeah. sort of seven or whatever. That stuff is a nightmare. Um, so they definitely were a thing. I mean, I, yeah. I, my son who's nine has said, can, can we put Netflix on 12? I put it on 12, and suddenly he's watching like Adam Sandler, Zohan. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a 15 really? in my mind. It's all dick jokes. Yeah. Like, you can't be watching that. Or it goes straight to, they call it 12 plus. They're very dodgy. So it's okay. like, well, what is that? Is that 12 to. Wait, is that, is that 12? Is that just a 15? Is that an 18? <laughs> I mean. Yeah, exactly. A 12, plus, 12 plus six. Yeah. Like, very specifically. Yeah, I mean, I think as well, like even. So I think obviously you can say that we thought things were bad back then, but I can remember, you know, I think people get scared by bits of like Harry Potter and stuff like that. Yeah. Some kids, you know, there's a lot of jeopardy. It you know, goes beyond mild peril. As the Absolutely. They are quite scary. I walk in, I've not seen them all. I didn't, I've not followed it, but sometimes he'll have one on and I'll walk through and I'm thinking, well, that just looks like a horror film. I've just walked through a horror yeah. I mean, I, I don't want him, if we're watching anything, that would be even vaguely like that. I would pause it before he comes in the room. Well, so Jurassic Park is a PG, mm. and in that there's a dismembered arm. <laughs> yeah, That's like Samuel L. Jackson's dismembered arm comes out through like a revolving door or something. Yeah. Because uh, I've just realised there's what's. <laughs> Um, this is like a very niche point about Jurassic Park, yeah, yeah. but um, that scene demonstrates how poor the diversity hiring was within the Jurassic Park uh, instance. Yeah. Because basically, so I've been talking about within the film, mm-hmm. so that organization, i.e. the park, yeah. must have had so few black employees. I think her name, Ellie Sattler, uh, is it Laura Dern's character, yeah. thinks Samuel L. Jackson's character is still alive. Because uh, she uh, just the arm, yeah. You just see it looming out of the darkness, yeah. And she goes, "Oh, say his name's Dave." Goes, "Oh, Dave, that's you." So she can tell it's just him by his arm. Oh my god, the yeah. only black because arm that she could have seen arm. in the whole park would have been, right. <laughs> been that guy. So that's that how bad so the HR diversity was. <laughs> Telly, aren't we? We watch it, yeah, yeah. it on telly, though. I, I, I'm actually quite astonished by that uh, lack arm situation. <laughs> I can, again, we're still talking about films, but I, that, that's a film that terrified me because I went to see it when I was about five or six in the cinema. What? And I was too young. <laughs> five <laughs> or a, six? Oh my God. Yeah, how? Because I saw, so cause when cause Jurassic Park came out in 93. What, so it's two, 93. Yeah. So I would have been six. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and I saw that in the cinema. I saw that. It was an error on my parents' part. <laughs> That is definitely an error. I can't say anything because I worked on a show called um, How to Train Your Dragon Live Extravaganza in Beijing. Um, My wife and son had to come out, obviously. He was in the audience at one point and that had... A stonking great monster parading all about the place. And the next job Mm -hmm. I got after that was um, Walking with Dinosaurs live experience, which he didn't come to and I'm glad he didn't. But other people would bring their kids, tiny kids, especially in Asia, to the front seats of of the auditorium. And there's this massive... And I mean massive, tower yeah. block sized um, T Rex that stomps and it looks real and it would shit you up. I mean, it was so loud. Yeah, of course. It would come right over, wander over, and then just go, Rah! and it would look down at the kids. And you'd just, you'd see 50 yeah. heads just go up and down. 
just yeah, just trauma chain, right? Yeah, yeah, you can see a whole load of psychologists rubbing their hands, and there's my work done for the next. Exactly. Uh, but kids love dinosaurs, apparently. Kids do, yeah. I can remember the Natural History Museum had an animatronic exhibit, and that being quite scary. So it was around the Jurassic Park time as well. Oh, I think right. Obviously, the time they're like suddenly dinosaurs are the most exciting thing in the world. Yeah. I can never remember going to that as well again, and just being like, "That's a real dinosaur." I'm terrified. And they had that kind of, obviously, the kind of fake smoke everywhere. And- oh, really? I guess I always knew that dinosaurs were real, but when I went to the Natural History Museum and saw that, the big, um, the bones as you walk in, mm. it's got a name, isn't it, that dinosaur, like Dippy or something. Is that oh, called? yeah, yeah. It used yes, to be there when I was a kid, that. and I think it's a replica, mm-hmm. but I thought it was real. That, that stuff yeah. really sticks with you, and the moment when you yeah. realise... Oh, they existed. That's a real they thing. Existed, yeah, that's, that's not just yeah, in real. cartoons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of mad. Let's get let's get onto some questions. Here's one I'm interested with you for some reason. Gun to your head, what reality TV show could you stand to be on? Okay, I was, I was thinking about this one actually. Um, I mean, I guess it depends how you qualify what you'd call a yeah, reality TV show. Because you know, there's some I quite even like to enjoy being on. So you know, if it's something that includes things like Master Chef or Bake Off, then right. obviously I would love to be on one of those. Okay. Uh, or even something like, a, you know, one of those travel dogs. But I presume you more mean kind of more plasticky kind of... I mean, whatever you uh, want it to mean, it can, be, it can be that, or it can be full of people... So yeah, fine, either, either, so either <laughs> I, I, I know, I'd love to be on either, you know, MasterChef, Celebrity MasterChef, or, uh, you know, some a more travel docky thing, kind of like Anthony Bourdain-esque, mm. you know, uh, going around the world, uh, trying food, but with kind of handlers and fixers because I think one of the things that prevents me from traveling is having to do it yourself not knowing what's safe what's not safe whereas you know if you've got CNN or whatever the travel channel Mm. paying for a local fixer and getting you all the right stuff get you there safe like Um, a race around the world yeah exactly whereas I mean if we're talking about more of the kind of uh, you know the only way Essex made in Chelsea that kind of thing I think of that ilk you might as well go something like Made in Chelsea because at least then you're going to like expensive, nice places where yeah. there's quite a lot of money. You know, you're, you're having an unpleasant experience with people yeah. you don't particularly like in places where you can at least, you know, have outlandish and outrageous food. That's a great answer. I like it. I thought, yeah, I mean, obviously the mind does lead to Big Brother, but you uh, you managed to lead it down a path of, you know. Yeah, I mean, so I, I, I've completely, this current Big Brother's completely passed me by. Yeah, I, like, seen that. I think what channel's it's that so on? easy to avoid TV these days. Bad TV. If yeah. you're not. Yeah, but like, wait, so you do, you so it's so selective in terms of what you do or don't mm. watch. Like, I think, you know, no, no, no one I know watches Big Brother. I've not no. had a single conversation about this current series of Big Brother, but then you suddenly go on Twitter occasionally and see people that you maybe follow and maybe mm-hmm. discussing these people that you've never heard. Yeah, yeah and you won't. I mean, I don't think this lot will be like, you know, going in. There's that era, isn't there, where they sort of all became famous, like Ryland and people like yeah. that. I think that's over for those kind of shows because no one's, I don't think people are really watching it because the audience isn't there. It's not there. It's not yeah. event TV. But some people aren't really watching it. It's the same like I've never seen Love Island. No, me neither. But that's because I'm selective. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do this podcast and I'm, there's so much I haven't seen. What was it before Pop Idol? It was called something else. Um, Pop, Pop Stars. Stars. I saw that. I never watched yeah. a single Pop Idol and I haven't seen Britain's Got Talent. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I just can't watch things like that. Or Strictly. Never seen Strictly. Don't mm-hmm. understand. My granddad used yeah. to watch the old version of that. Um, when I was a kid, okay. come dancing. Maybe yeah. it's just called that. It sounds rude now. Life's too short, you know? Yeah, well, me and my wife's family watch uh, Strictly quite a lot. But, yeah, no, I've never really gotten that far into it. So I'll have a loose awareness sometimes. But I didn't even know it was on at the moment again. 
I mean, like, well, I, something about Krishnan Guru Murthy was on it, wasn't he? And I only yeah. knew that because I was because he comes up on my feed because I like him. But that was about yeah. it. And I was like, oh, he's in that. That's strange. <laughs> but like, yeah, um, the people you suddenly find kind of, but like, you know, so I think again, I don't want to preempt any of your other questions, but obviously, even the fact that I'm a celebrity oh, as, well, as well, you know, you sort of see people and you're just like, why is that person? Well, I. I mean, I will say it, and I'll leave it in. I don't care. I, I think putting a Nazi in on television for fun is is not a very good leap forward. And uh, you are no. you are turning him into a TV character that everyone, some people, will find adorable and and fun. But he's not fun. He's Mosley. It's not good. Stop putting these people on telly. Not to quite the same extreme, but obviously, I guess in the way that Boris Johnson was kind of softened up and normalised and projected through hmm. even being on things like "Have I Got News for You." Not saying that yeah. Boris Johnson is Nigel Farage per se, but in terms of people that you don't consider. Jacob Rees-Mogg, essentially, I think his profile yeah. will come from Have I Got News For You. But I love Have I Got News For You. It's one of my favourite TV shows and I watch it mm. avidly even now. Yeah. But I mean, I think, yeah, yeah. And, but, yeah, having any of these people kind of as a guest, as you say, sort of normalises them and propels them up to a point. Like, yeah, I think so. Gauge well, I mean, impact it has, but... Boris was always brought on there to be mocked, wasn't he? It was, he, yeah. and he played up to it and he became that. And, you know, yeah. okay, let's uh, go for a, I'll cut that Boris shit because I don't want to give him a, a second more. Um, well, you're, you're a funny man. What's the funniest thing you ever saw on telly? Funniest thing I ever saw on TV. So, I mean, it depends how far back you want to go, but I mean, I don't think, Tom is, I don't think I actually watched this on telly, but Key and Peel is my favorite yes. sketch show, I would say, for example. Um, I mean, Key and Peel, and again, controversial depending on what you've, perceive about his current work and stuff but you know i think Chappelle's show is again mm. seminal as well like i can't think of uh there are bits within that that i think regardless of what you think of his current comedy yeah you can't it's unassailably funny i mean i still like quite a lot of his stand-up yeah. now obviously he goes down a road that is uh unnecessary yeah exactly well i think but... yeah of course yeah so and i do like and there's mm. definitely really good stuff in his current specials now at the mm. moment and it's a case of a i mean Certain people obviously will take issue with some of the stuff that he covered, but it's also I found just the amount of time he dedicated to uh, sort of trans issues and some of his more recent specials mm. beyond any issue people may have with the content. Mm. It was just quite tedious hearing him talk about it. Everyone, it's, it's really boring. And I, yeah. I, the last special, I can't remember the name of it. I just had this feeling throughout it that it was like, oh, he really loves himself now, doesn't he? He thinks he's the shit. I don't remember him having that kind of, and it's not in a sort of, it's not in a good way. It's just like he, he kept doing that mic thing and hitting his leg with the mic and laughing at things mm. that weren't funny. And I was like, oh, Dave, what's going on? I didn't enjoy that one yeah, as much. Yeah, I guess yeah. it's difficult, isn't it, I guess, if you're being lauded to that extent. Because obviously he is, I think, the I think the thing that doesn't come across and you can never convey in that kind of special mm. is what he does, I think, more broadly when he goes to other sort of, you know, drop in those from place where he will talk for an hour, two hours, find all of these different things, yeah. which I'm sure is an amazing craft and those difficult things. And that's probably how he works in that context. But then when you take it out of that kind of thing of you yeah. almost being doing this quite amazing thing and then put it into the context of a special, it's hard to keep that to capture that, if you like, on a special without it then just looking self-indulgent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, what's that saying, isn't it? If, if people keep telling you you're awesome, you're going to believe you're awesome. I think he's, yeah. he's living a bit of that. But going back to Key and Peel, there's a sketch that I play mm. often, probably too often for myself to, to, to I love. These, and I don't have a, I'm not particularly interested in the sports, but those, the when they do, is it the NFL picks? And they all and have the names. mad names. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> Those names won't be die, man. Uh, so, yeah, but I think it's so. The thing is, it is actually accurate. And I, the thing is, the problem is, you can always stray 
particularly because obviously we're not in that country, mm. um, into sort of the things of ridiculing a sort of a subculture or a culture. But some of the names that people do have, like if you look at, for example, both college NFL, so college and NFL players, mm. and even certain rappers, their real names are yeah, really boring by our standards anyway. Yeah, yeah. Absurd. Well, but bo- boring or absurd, like as in. Like so often, like there's like just quite a lot of made up names. There's like a thing about you know uh, people giving their children completely unique names and literally just making mm. them up. Um, so I think like for example, even like people from the Migos, uh, I think Quavo's name is Quantavius, for example, which I'm sure <laughs> is a name that I've name. never. That's a great name though, Quantavius. <laughs> yeah. So, like, so, uh, so I'm just going to Google it. So if you uh, so if you look at so the names of the Migos, so yeah, no, so in fact, sorry, Quavo's real name is Quavius. Right. Uh, just makes me want the crisps. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'd be going to the other end of the spectrum mm. where obviously some of them just got comedically boring names. Obviously, Snoop Dogg's name is Calvin Brodus. Is that his Calvin Brodus? That's great. Yeah. Yeah, there are some really good ones, aren't there? Is it Ice, what's Ice T's name? He's got some really. Oh, I isn't it can't like. They're always, and they're always really boring names. Yeah. I mean, often, yeah, often yeah, they yeah. are quite, uh, quite pedestrian. Pedestrian, exactly. Extent, I guess it's probably why you have uh, why you need a rap name. Yeah, I guess so. You need a cool rap name. A lot of ice. A lot of ice. And that was all started with uh, Ice Cube, whose name is... Oh, yes, I know this. I know this because of his son. O'Shea Jackson. Yeah, yeah. O'Shea. That's the thing with Americans, with the second with the surname as a, as a first name. You know, you meet like, yeah. this is Taylor, and this is Cooper, and this is... And it, yes. <laughs> fucking hell, guys. Yeah. Although, actually, I think Ice T might have been before Ice Cube in terms of first release. You think so? Yeah, I think so. He's older, isn't he? Ice T. Ice T. I like Ice T. He always came over as a bit of a. Ice T's pretty anyway. old. Yeah, Ice T must be like sixty or something. Yeah. Surely, been around my whole life. Oh my god, look state of him now. Tracy, Tracy Lauren Marrow. Oh, Tracy wow. Marrow. It's a good name, isn't it? Tracy Marrow. Tracy Marrow sounds like a children's book. The winner of the Somerset Cucumber Competition. I mean, that's better. Tracy Marrow, you could like own that. Yeah, Tracy Marrow sounds like a green-fingered it. child who, uh, you know. <laughs> okay, let's get away from uh, getting. Uh, Smacked in the mouth by Ice T if he ever comes to the UK. I'm re-watching Red Dwarf with my son. I don't know why the cat is American. I, I haven't quite worked that out. But I think that actually, when it comes to like casting, it was a bit of ahead of its time, actually, when I think about it. Because you've got two black leads. Yeah, yeah I was thinking, I, I was had literally the same thought the other day when I was... That's, that's the 80s. Yeah, exactly. 80s. And also, like, within a sort of not black, sort of non-siloed TV show. So I think going beyond sort of... Yeah, it doesn't matter who they are, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. As in, it's kind of a particularly... So I guess, I I mean, it's not specifically Radio 4 directly. I don't know what order things came in, but it's that very kind of Hmm. BBC... Radio 4 adjacent TV show. Yeah. And as you say, not only to have a sort of majorly black cast, but have it not then marketed purely as a black. No, it wasn't Desmond's or anything like that. No, exactly. It's what it is. They just happen to be. It's not mentioned. There's no reason to mention anything. Yeah, exactly. He's just a guy in space. A guy in space. They deal with religion so well. It's it's a really good education for my son. Because really? I'm not a religious person, but um, like yeah. the bit where they find the missing page of the Bible and stuff, I just, just it's just fucking brilliant. The whole thing is just. It's a long time since I've watched a lot of it. Like I saw half of an episode the other day because it happened to be on TV, um, but I should go back and watch some of it. I love a lot of it. There are questionable bits. Yeah, so definitely, like a lot of the gender and sexual politics of many TV shows, you sort of yes. look back and think, 
Mm, I should have known better even at the time. Yeah, because is... <laughs> I watched um, Welcome to Wrexham because I like Always Sunny. And then off the mm-hmm. back of that, I've been watching this Beckham documentary. And I'm not... In, are you a football guy? I'm not a football guy. I sound uh, no. um, But um, just, it, it's interesting to watch. It is interesting to watch like yeah. this guy's life and, 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 and all the things that he had to deal with. And, you know, you really do see like how the press completely destroyed him. But... It all sort of started, well, it started with kicking this guy, but he didn't really touch him. Um, but really, it all started in the press when he wore a sarong, which yeah. the sun haven't had. They showed the headline. It was something like Bex the Cross Dresser or something like that. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, some of the sun headlines are absurd. It's like disgusting. Some of the... Too posh to push when Victoria was giving birth. Disgusting. Yeah. How is this still allowed? How is that still operating as a system? Like those newspapers I because people know. buy it yeah I mean like God knows I mean it was like I mean, sort of things as mad as like the like just the concept of page three is oh, yeah. ridiculous now that you think back at like the idea that you just go like right you had two pages of news <laughs> have some nudity yeah yeah it's <laughs> back really to weird. news like that's it's so odd it is strange like, because you have the most prudish house like I lived in Ireland for a few yeah. years and my granddad he had the daily star calendar on the wall like, it was nothing yeah. in the room. It looked like something out of, like, Banshees of Inner Sheeran or something. There's nothing in the room apart from one of those old ranges and a table with a pig's head on it or something. And yeah. this thing, just on the yeah, wall. It's just like, a telly, yeah. a radio. And that was the focal <laughs> point. telly when you've got the star <laughs> And my mum would apparently bring it over from England to him every year, like, in the new year. That would be the thing that she gave him. Weird, right? It's just like, this is a normal... Yeah, I mean... It's such a weird family dynamic. No, but it, that was just, that I think you think that's weird, but that's so normalized, I think, in terms of just what we're around. Like, literally, going back to, like, you know, you'd go to a garage that would definitely be on the wall, like, you know, mm. like anywhere. Like, yeah, I guess it's before the internet. So that's kind of what people. Yeah, exactly. Think. Now it's just in everyone's pocket instead, continually. Oh, no. <laughs> so, you know, we may think that we're different, but in fact, it's just Instagram. We'll give that to you pretty quick. Yeah, I'm not sure I've got that completely covered. Anyway, Matt, I've got to go to a party. Uh, oh, so enjoy that. Is there anything? Pretend to, you know, keep it on, the, on, on your face, just constant image of uh, enthusiasm. Yeah, I will do. Earplugs and uh, oh, it's so, yeah. so reverberant. You've got that all to look forward to. Um, oh, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. We talked a bit about Tally and a bit about your comedy and a bit about... Yeah, no, I would be happy to come back on in the future when uh, and talk more about Tally properly yeah. when I've got something to promote. <laughs> yeah, when you've got something to promote. Well, we'll get you on as a... We also, as it's not announced yet, so I can't even announce it on this okay. properly. But what I mean is more when I come back, when I will be promoting something in 2025. Oh, cool. So that will come back then. Brilliant. Okay, yeah, let me know and we'll get you back on and we can talk about the Tally of 2024. God exactly. Sounds be. great. <laughs> All right, Matt. Thanks for coming well, on. Well, enjoy the party. See Thank you, you so much. Cheers, mate. What a great comedian, what a great guest. Uh, check out his socials, which are at the bottom of the show notes of this episode. And I look forward to seeing his show next year at the Fringe to see what else he comes up with. I will be sure again back on next year to talk about that book that he mentioned. So, Matt, consider yourself a friend of the podcast, and we'll speak again soon. Beep, beep. 
now to today's outro track. It is a song called Zeros and Ones. It was written and recorded in 2001 when I was living in a house share in South London, in Streatham, where you cannot afford to live anymore. I think it's called uh, St. Rhythm Valet now, where I lived, Streatham Vale. And uh, yeah, I recorded all this using an Atari and very little equipment and, you know, did hundreds of songs around that time. This is one of my favourites. Um, yeah, it is what it is. I hope you like it. It's from an album called Oh Dear, which will never see the light of day which is basically a picture on the front of a deer on some 70s wallpaper <laughs> that's where the title came from anyway so enjoy this zeros and ones really like this track the secret's out we need you you are our official taster navigator tell another lie to get by you take the credit for what we've done and you think you cover it up We spend our lifetime earning your trust but you'll never be one of us So you'd like to buy a piece of my time Yeah, you'd like to buy a piece of my time Our skills have been lost All hail to the western machine Well you can turn in your friends With a click and a sand But there's too many pop stars to believe
Little wonder, little wonder you. Where'd I get those drums from, eh? Some kind of, like, leftover from the jungle period of the 90s. So, yeah, that was Zeros and Ones, uh, something I banged out in early 2001, written on the spot, I think. Uh, I really like it. I don't know what to say about it. Just enjoy it. Uh, probably never be remastered. OK, come back next week, where we've got another one of these great episodes for Before Christmas, just for you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Please follow us, like us, subscribe, all the things that people are supposed to say. Bye-bye for now.